0: Hey, deserving listeners, it's just me today. I thought I would read a patron email. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I am a professor and a therapist. This email is from patron Liz. She writes, Hello, Dr. Honda. First off, thank you for providing an an amazing podcast. I currently work as a therapist at a nonprofit organization that provides counseling services to help victims of domestic violence. Well, good for you, patron Liz. You are doing very needed work for our society. Uh, Working with victims of of domestic violence, or DV, is um, very much needed. Very stressful work, very difficult work, so kudos to you. She goes on, During my time here, the counselors often discuss their challenges working with mothers who have survived domestic violence. Many of these mothers experience difficulty bonding with their children, and often the mothers will will project their experiences with their batterer onto the child. This results in conflict between the child and the mother. And this is difficult for therapy to resolve. After working with my supervisor, we've discussed many roadblocks many of us face working with clients on this topic. The child is often seen as the batterer, even though they're not. Can you offer any suggestions from your experience that can assist other therapists working with domestic violence survivors to empathize with their child's experience more and strengthen the relationship with their children without projecting their issues onto them? Can you maybe speak on some techniques and successes you've had with families dealing with domestic violence? Thank you so much, devoted patron Liz. Well, these are very good questions, very complicated questions, and I'm not going to be able to do it justice, but I will try to give it sort of justice. The first thing that I will say to patron Liz, is something that I often annoy my supervisees with and my students with, which is I will say the following thing, which is people come to therapy because they have problems. I've talked about this phrase before on the podcast. It's a little patronizing, but the the message is, and I often will say this to myself as a, as a mantra, as a way of trying to help myself as a therapist, because I will forget it, is that you know, people come to therapy, not because they are without any problems, they come to therapy because they have problems. And when people present those problems, sometimes I find that therapists will get frustrated with it and will say, why don't they change this thing about themselves? And and I just say, well, they co- they're coming to you because they have problems. And sometimes it takes a long time for those problems to heal and to resolve. Um, And one of the, I'm not hearing this specifically from patron Liz, but I I will often hear similar stories and from therapists. And basically the, the syndrome for the therapist I think is this is that the, you know, the, the, the victim of the domestic violence, the wife, the mother is coming into therapy with the children and they will, they, they probably have uh, divorced or, you know, moved away from the domestically violent partner. And the, the mother is uh, asking for help and saying, you know, I, I, I need help recovering from the violence that I experienced. And the mother is, is on board with that and wants help with that. And the mother has issues that are potentially even independent of the domestic violence they experienced because everyone has a history and everyone has issues of various kinds. And so when these other issues show up, they are seen as, to some extent, a nuisance to the therapy. It's like, you know, just as an example— Using this example, a mother comes in and says, I I experienced 15 years of brutal domestic violence. I need help with that. Well, a therapist, in all likelihood, is going to be very patient with the progression of therapy with regards to that because it's an explicit goal of the therapy and it's understood that it takes time to heal. And so if, you know, it takes five years to. Quote unquote, heal and resolve the domestic violence um, uh, history, which is a funny way of putting it, but I hope you know what I mean. Most therapists would say, yeah, of course, it's going to take years to, to heal from that. But when they present other behaviors in addition to that one, like they have troubles with their parenting, somehow it's seen as something that should be easily fixed with just a small intervention, like, hey, stop. stop displacing your anger onto your children. Stop doing that. And, and when it doesn't change right away, therapists get frustrated with that and, and upset and, and it leads to them, you know, feeling inadequate and frustrated and, and burnt out and judgmental, the clients and all this kind of stuff. And so when I see that, I say, whoa, 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 remember clients come to therapy because they have problems. And this is one of the problems. And it's going to take time for it to change. And it might even be related directly to the healing. As they heal, they will displace less onto their children. But to expect them to change it right away is not reasonable in the same way that it's not reasonable to expect them to heal from the trauma right away. Now, having said that, it's uh, important to uh, have your own self-care. And let me kind of get into that for a second. Um, so, so overall, the, the thing that I say to patron Liz, which I'm sure she knows because she works with these people is to focus on the trauma and helping the whole family recover from that trauma. And that takes a long time and it's complicated and it's painful. And, you know, so I'm sure patron Liz, since she works with these people, she knows all about that and they're experts in that. So I don't need to tell them that, but. Other things that I'll say is that uh, the the mothers who are victims they're not just victims of domestic domestic violence they're also human beings with whole histories and whole lives and have issues that are potentially independent of the DV and they have childhoods they have they grew up with particular kinds of parents which might compromise their ability to navigate parenting themselves. And so that needs to be looked at probably. So uh, the overall thing, like I said, is be patient. Uh, also, accept that bad things will happen to families right in front of your eyes in spite of your efforts to protect the family and protect the children. You know, that, that's a, that's, this is an important thing that I learned long ago the hard way that all therapists I think learn is that, you know, for patron Liz, she, she's seeing these mothers continue to treat their children badly and to uh, displace their and uh, anger from onto the children and to see the children as, as abusive when the children are not being abusive. That will create bad parenting and that will compromise the relationship between the mother and the children as patron Liz is pointing out. And uh, I hear the desperation and the frustration in patron Liz's email. And the thing I'll say is, is just like, you just have to accept that bad things are going to continue to happen in this family in spite of you trying to help them In, in spite of you even pointing out, Hey, stop doing that in spite of even the mother agreeing and saying, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing that if if you spend enough time with clients and with families you realize that change takes a long time and insight isn't necessarily useful uh particularly if it's just therapist insight right so uh you just have to release yourself from the responsibility of having to change people right away because that's just not the way humans work and if you if you expect instant change you'll you'll be very frustrated and it'll be very distressing. Um, Also uh, along these lines, when consulting with others at your agency, like with your supervisor, try to have an attitude and instill a culture of compassion and patience, because if everyone is compassionate and patient, it will help everyone else. But I often see the opposite at agencies where there's a culture of being judgmental and a culture of being dismissive. I think what happens is that the clinicians are stressed out naturally and will turn to venting negatively about their clients, and it turns into a us-against-them kind of thing where the therapists are – uh, saying things like, Oh, you know, that this woman came in again and she's targeting her child like she always does. And she's not listening to me and I don't know what to do. And I, I don't think I can help this woman, you know, the, that, that kind of attitude. And then other people will say, Oh my God, I can't believe that person. You know, it's, I have a, I have a client's doing the same thing. And then, you know, it's natural to be frustrated. It's natural to want to vent, but if that's all that's happening and, and it, and and it never is 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 uh, countered with compassion and and patience, then it just sort of spirals downward. It just causes people to just become even more um, disillusioned by the work that they're doing. And like I said, DV work is particularly stressful for people. I think empirically they find that working in domestic violence uh, is more likely to lead to burnout and to vicarious trauma, secondary trauma, this kind of stuff. Because you're hearing all these just horrible stories and seeing the results of it. And, it, you know, it's it's very stressful. So, you know, uh, perhaps they're more likely to develop a culture of negativity. I'm not hearing that explicitly in, in what patron Liz is talking about, but it's just something to think about. Also, make sure that you focus on the relationship between you and the mother. When you feel as though the relationship between you and the mother is suffering, then in all likelihood, the therapy is going to suffer and then the parenting is going to suffer. So you really, you're doing a lot of good by really focusing on your relationship with the mother, which means you might have to change the thing around in your head, instead of seeing the mother as like a frustration to you, you have to start gaining compassion and understanding for where they're coming from and why they might be exhibiting behaviors that are counterproductive or even potentially abusive to their children. It's healing to have a strong relationship. And also you're modeling to the mother. How to have compassion and how to be differentiated in the face of anxiety, which the mother can learn vicariously from, and then exhibit that with their own children. Also, never tell a parent that what they're doing is wrong. It's it's a it's incredibly insulting to, and and I see this a lot. Uh, in, in therapists, they'll at the very least, they'll just have this attitude that like, oh, that mother, you know, that parent, they don't know what they're doing. They're terrible parents, and it's 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 you know perhaps quote unquote accurate but it's not helpful and it's not a therapeutic stance and it it doesn't respect people and in where they come from if you're a parent yourself you can imagine going to a therapist and if the therapist looked hard enough they could find all sorts of problems in your parenting i mean any parent who is scrutinized will you 'll be able to find problems because parenting is complicated and hard and it's never ever even close to being perfect and so you know just understanding that that when you see parents making mistakes it's it's you know that's par for the course right um, which is you know what keeps us therapists employed right because <laughs> uh, they grow up and then they have issues and complexes and need and they need therapy. So anyway, try not to judge and and uh, it's hard it's hard not to judge, but try not to. Also, make sure you get your own therapy. Uh, patron Liz isn't saying this explicitly, but it sounds like she might be stressed out and maybe her supervisor's stressed out. And when you're stressed out, it's hard to have patience with your clients. hard hard to have compassion for them. And so, self care. Um, this sort of thing. It's just, it's just really important. Also, and this might be the key, is if if you're worried about, and your patron you're using the word projection, it, it sounds more like what you're saying is, is displacement. They're often confused. Projection is actually quite specific in terms of a defense mechanism. It, and it's specifically, it's when you're projecting an unwanted aspect of self onto someone else. It's usually an internalized aspect of personality characteristic from one of your parents, but something that you don't like, like for instance, someone might have a rejecting mother. You internalize that and then you end up becoming rejecting yourself. You have a rejecting element of you that you've internalized from your mother. And then you don't like that about yourself subconsciously. And so you will project that quality onto other people and you'll see other people as being rejecting when they're not. And so, that's projection. Now, that might be what you're talking about, patron Liz in that you know the uh, mothers might have internalized an abusive, angry other in that in their partners, and then they're uh, projecting that onto their children and distorting their children's behavior as being as being abusive when they're not. So, you know, that's possible. But another way of putting it is that they're displacing their their anger, in that. They they have justifiable anger at their abuser, their, their spouse, and they're displacing that anger onto their child, which compromises their relationship. And the cure for this in the psychodynamic sense is to allow the dynamic of rage to be expressed in a healthy way when... When these women were in the abusive relationships, they could not express their justifiable rage and anger and hurt and disappointment toward their spouse because their spouse would proceed to abuse them if they stepped out of line. And so they had to pent all this energy up. And then now that they're out of that relationship, they, they have a need to express that deep, deep hurt and that deep rage and that deep fear. And they don't necessarily know or feel safe enough to express that health in healthy ways. And they will turn to their children as safe conduits, safe receptacles of their rage and, and emotionality. And so you as a therapist can help them to, engage with that justifiable emotional uh, life and help them express it in ways that are uh, healing and more congruent and more, uh, you know, that make more sense for them. For instance, you could imagine working with a a woman who has uh, separated from an abusive husband and she's now displacing under her children all of her anger you can imagine uh, having the uh, person write a letter to, to their ex-spouse. Maybe they send it, maybe they don't. Maybe they talk in therapy with you about their anger and you really encourage them. You say, oh, you know, do you ever feel angry? Well, tell me, you know, did, did you feel angry in the past? What were you angry about? How did you, how did you express anger and how did your, How did your abusive spouse uh, oppress you and stop you from expressing anger? You know, just really all these conversations. Maybe an art project where they express their anger in it. Maybe even you know punching something. You know, breaking bottles or I know just some kind of you know release of that of that emotionality might begin the healing process so that they don't have a need to displace and project onto their children. So that's, that's another idea. Um, so yeah, that, that's what I'll say. Again, I, you know, I, I don't know any details really about what patron Liz is going through. So I'm, I'm assuming a lot. Maybe patron Liz is already doing all these things and already knows all these things. But those are just some of the things that, that popped in, into my head. Again, people come to therapy because they have problems. Be patient. Have self-care. This is stressful work focus on healing, focus on their relationship with the mother and try to help them to express their their suppressed emotionality in healthy ways so that they don't need their children to be receptacles for that. All right. Well, that does it for that episode. If you haven't already become a patron of the podcast, please do so by going to patreon.com. That's patreon.com. Go to Psychology in Seattle, become a patron and you will become a part of our little team. Uh, We have about 320-ish patrons, which is super rad. Maybe I will read some of the most recent patrons, which is always a fun game to play. Uh, Let's see here. Clicking, clicking on the internet, we have new patrons, Sam, Stella, Annie, Mira, Andy, Kayla, Laura, Haley, Eli, which I, I know, Eli. Um, i just going down to the middle of the list here. Let's see. Let's go back to like April or we got Lewis and Simon and Julia and Sandy, Kathy, Indigo, Indigo. That's a nice name. Lou, Lou, just, just Lou, Jimmy, uh, Linda, Tim, Gary, Tyler, Josh, Deborah, Margaret, Richard. You guys are just super cool. Thanks so much. Oh, there's another Zoe. We have like a bunch of Zoes. Such a great name, Zoe. I think we have like three Zoes, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, I'm sure you're enriched by that detail. All right, well, that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining me. Please take care of yourself because you deserve it. You certainly, certainly do deserve to take care of yourself, and you deserve others to take care of you. And you deserve, other people deserve you to take care of them. So let's all just take care of each other. One big circle of caring.